Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Daewoo, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. All right, friends, welcome back to another freaking amazing episode of Secrets from the Saddle All Things Cycling podcast. And today, before we get into our next episode with Kristen and PL, they are back. I had them last year about this time talking about their fundraising and uh, their Cycle 5 to Survive charity. And um, they did the great divide last summer and they're coming back to talk about it. So before we get into that episode, I have three things to share with you. I know three things. Um, just make a mental note, write it down and, and just add it to your Google calendar. But the first one is if you're training right now or you're not, and you're trying to wondering like how to get it all together and make it make it work and get ready for the spring on your bike and you're on Swift, you don't know what to do, what's the best thing, just do this. Text the word spring, S-P-R-I-N-G, spring to 819-809-0999. That's 819-809-0999. Text the word spring. It's my eight-week, it's a ridiculously cheap um, coaching group right now, because we have eight weeks left out of 20. We started in November and I give you eight, uh, three organized workouts a week. Okay. For eight weeks. One of them is dedicated to skills and technique development, like pedal stroke efficiency, hill climbing, uh, speed work, um, all that stuff. And that is ha- going to start from February 15th to April 4th. And it's the same price no matter when you start. So you might as well start right now. The next one is March 8th. Now, you know that I did Unbound, or maybe you don't know. I'm going back this year for Unbound Excel. And um, so I'm starting to kind of prepare my gear now. So what I'm doing is I'm doing a virtual dinner party over Zoom. And it's going to be totally interactive. I'm going to be sharing with you like my planning, my travel, my bike, my gear, the food, all that stuff. And the reason why it's interactive is that I'm going to be uh, putting together breakout rooms and you guys are going to go and discuss like things that you did well and maybe come back with tips for me and things like that. So it's going to be super fun from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. So that's a Friday evening. Um, and uh, it's going to be total fun. So if you're into uh, long endurance or, or uh, bike packing or back bike, tr- uh, bike packing, bike camping, anyways, if you're into long endurance stuff, join and you might 
take away some great tips. The next one is March 23rd. It's a Saturday day. It's a fundraiser. I'm doing a fundraiser raising money for the Ride to Conquer Cancer, which I will be doing the weekend after Unbound. So I'm going to be riding 300 kilometers. You can donate money. You can come and ride with me. I'm going to be setting that up and you're going to be hearing more about it on my socials. So make sure you go to the descriptions, check out these dates. I don't have registrations for those yet, but um, if you're on our socials, you'll hear all about it. All right, everybody, we have an amazing episode for you today. We're going to be talking a little bit more about bike fits. And I also find that this is probably a great time to talk about a bike fit, uh, being on, on the trainer, or maybe you're getting a new bike and what do you need to look at to have the right specs to go buy the proper bike for you. Because I've seen so many times where women get too big a bike, too small a bike. And we have Brendan Davis from um, Richmond, Virginia on the podcast today talking about bike fits. So here we go. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Secrets and Saddle All Things Cycling Podcast with your host, Sylvie Doe. And we have Brandon Davis, who is coming to us from Vir uh, Richmond, Virginia. And he is a professional bike fitter. And I've only had a couple on the podcast um, over the last couple of years, but I do think and I feel that uh, bike fitting is a super important component to cycling. I am bike fit certified myself, but I don't practice it. So I am able to give out little tips, but I'm really excited to bring on professionals who can really talk specifically about bike fit. I'm super excited to have you, Brandon. How are you doing? Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm super excited. Uh, I'm I'm doing great. It's yeah, it's a beautiful rainy day here in Richmond, Virginia, and it's nice and cold outside. So super looking forward to getting getting out for a rod later. Oh my God, really? <laughs> but it's in Canada here and we just got like a foot of snow and it's gorgeous. I would oh. not go biking, but you know, there's always those uh, fat bikers who love to get out in this type of weather so before we get into all things bike fit um what got you into cycling and then led you into starting your own bike fit uh business in yeah. virginia i um i certainly am not by any means like a lifelong cyclist like i don't think i just even discovered the sport of cycling until I was in my late twenties, early thirties. Um, yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> there's yeah, a lot of so, us out there. It's yeah, okay. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have, I don't have that type of story of like, of like, Oh, I like grew up like doing mountain biking and doing this and doing that. Like I, like I, I, um, I was in college and got into like fixed gear and track bikes and kind of riding single speeds around and doing for that. transportation and, though. Yeah. And just, yeah. just, kind of utilitarian about it and 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 just rolling around i actually moved up to richmond uh virginia from the virginia beach area so on the coast so about about an hour or so away um moved into richmond virginia in the fall of 2015 which literally was i think about a week before the world championships were here oh so, cool. so like i again didn't know much about cycling didn't know what was going on but everyone is here i end up meeting um the entire spanish national team i end up like people are like i'm just out for a ride on my single speed and people are like out cheering me on and so <laughs> so discuss yeah it's cheering you on 
yeah, just for no reason. People will come out of bars and they're like, oh, and like, I'm just riding my bike around. And um, you're at the back of the pack. Yeah, yeah it's just like, yeah, just not, like, <laughs> no idea what's going on. Um, and and so that's so that kind of started me discovering cycling and discovering what's what's the bigger world of it from just mm-hmm. uh, riding single speeds. And um, so started in like 2016, 2017, going to a couple group rides around. I mean, I just showed up on like a, a single speed fixed gear bike to these group rides, like, cause it was the only <laughs> bike I had. Um, <laughs> I can only imagine the looks you got. Oh, people and then like, you like blew everybody away and you're like it was kind of, and like so people are like are you sure you're gonna be okay because richmond's fair it's not it's there's not a ton of climbing but it's it's lumpy it's rolly is yeah, it rolly it's, 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 it's good it's a good rolling like so the group ride that we were doing was i'll see if i can translate this into my it was like 17 miles so it's like 25 30k yeah with like um with about 1500 feet of elevation so like probably that would be yeah <laughs> about 1500 yeah 1500 <laughs> feet so not not meters so that's like yeah like five, like yeah like 500 meters or something like that of, of that's enough um, yeah it's enough especially on a single speed and so people are like you okay and i'm like and I, and I hung in and it was fine and so starting get started getting into it more and more got got a proper road bike and and then wanted to wanted to get into the sport of of cycling and like joined a local club team uh and then like just saw a youtube video about somebody getting a bike fit like in the uk or something like that You're like and i was uh-huh. like oh what is this thing and like and like and yeah what is <laughs> i like i have a bike you're like this makes oh. sense now yeah i'm like i'm like <laughs> okay do i like let, let's go do this and so like i ask around i found a shop that's doing it and um and go and and experience it and i'm like i'm like okay cool and then feel way better feel way faster um way better yeah (laughs) what did they fix your back your shoulders your neck all of a sudden i was like all of a sudden i was like oh i was riding with my saddle like three centimeters too low and 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 was ridiculously in in a terrible position um and so from there uh that I wasn't even and at that point I wasn't even working in the bike industry I was just working um some different some different jobs and working for like some uh, other corporations in Richmond and um and I end up moving into working in the bike industry because I wasn't super happy in my job and like the the owner of the bike shop I was working for was like one of the, what's one of the things you want to learn I was like I really want to learn bike fitting like I, like I this ha- this happened like I I did this and I, I felt great and I want to learn how to do it. And so they ended up putting me through all the training. I became retool certified um, and started doing bike fits for them. Which uh, organization I, did you go through to get bike I, fit certified? I, I, got, I got certified through retool. So we were the, the, company, okay. the bike shop that I worked for was a specialized retailer. So, mm. um, so I was able to go through the ret- the retool training and get, and get certified through that. Um, okay. Becoming a retool level two fitter. And so, did yeah did all all of their training and and learning that um and then just started do they had a bike fitter on staff but he was looking to do less and less so i took i took started doing more and more bike fits um right it is time consuming right like and like and and so it 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 could be a full-time thing and that was my that was my argument and so when i one of the things that 
kind of led me to really wanting to do this more and get into it is because even when I got my first bike fit and even when I started working in the industry and started thinking about doing bike fitting, it seemed like this would have been 2018, 2019. Um, they, like the stigma around or even like what the shop kind of thought of it is it wasn't something that they recommended to everyone. It wasn't something that they recommended the most people that they were selling bikes oh. to. It was, it was something that was, that it was really kind of considered, this is what you would do if you're an elite athlete or you're a racer or you want to, or, or you want to do this to where even like where they had their bike fit studio set up was we were in this old, this big old like warehouse building in Richmond and, and it was on the second level. So in the summer there, where the bike fit studio was would just get ridiculously hot like and because of where because because the ac in this old building was absolutely terrible and they were like they were like well if you're getting a bike fit you're an elite racer so this should be fine for you like that was their mentality around it and i was and and i was just like this like if anything it's the opposite of that the people that i would say like the the other 95 percent of the population 99 (laughs) percent and so that's where it's like elite bike racers don't need bike they'll figure it out or they have somebody on on staff that will figure it if it's your job if you're spending 20 30 hours a week like you're going to adjust your position and you're going to figure mm-hmm. out what works for you and you're going and you're going to end up experimenting through that but it's the riders who are who are who are riding 5 or 10 hours a week or less than that or and they and they haven't had that experience and they and they don't know what's go, like what they're supposed to be feeling on the bike those are the people that need bike fits yeah um, and so I, I was like yeah I was like we need to switch this mentality and and around bike fitting and so I, I really worked really hard within that company that I worked for at the time to to be like, no, we need to get the language rolling around this different. Mm-hmm. And no, this is every, everyone should be doing this. It should be something that if you're talking with anyone about a road bike or uh, or anything like they can 100 percent benefit from this. Um, and and so I worked really hard at changing that mentality around it and then um ended up that company got bought by a larger corporation um i ended up getting laid off and i was like and i was like i really i'd been at that point kind of full-time bike fitting for the shop for six months or a year at that time and i was like and i was like i know i know i could probably sustain this um Mm -hmm. and and i was job hunting and um at that point that was that was a year ago so that was november that was yeah i got laid off in november of 2022 um and i was just like i was just like you know what like what if i what if i just did my own business that is this is all i do and so the bike fit rva is is all all we do is is helping people to get to get comfortable on on their bikes and i was like i was like i think richmond has enough of a cycling community and enough of a growing cycling population um that this could be sustainable full-time uh-huh. and um, and yeah, it's been an awesome journey of like, of, of figuring out like how to run a business and how, and, yeah, and, yeah running the business and, uh. and, how, and how, to do, <laughs> how to do, how to do the marketing and how to do everything, everything associated with that. And it's been a, it's been a fun, fun journey this last Are year. you by yourself in that journey? Uh, so I, I have <laughs> just me. Yeah. It, Bike Fit RVA is just me. And so the, the, that, that is my business. I, I did end up 
I've developed a great partnership with another um, local bike shop um, here in Richmond. So Blue Ridge Cyclery. Um, oh, but, yeah. Yeah. So they yeah, they they opened up and, and I've partnered with them. And so I rent the space that I'm in now. I rent from them. Um, and so we have a great we have a great partnership. So I'm still mm -hmm. an independent bike fitter, which I think is really important. Um, and of, of if people looking for bike fits that if to find someone like me who is independent I don't care like what bike we end up getting you on what mm -hmm. shoes we end up getting you on. I, I want I want the right stuff for the rider um it's the joke that like uh bike shop bike shop owner has a 56 centimeter in stock and is very confident that you're a 56 centimeter. like i, I don't i don't e. it doesn't it i i don't get any reward from whatever you buy um and so and so i'm very independent from that aspect i'm not trying to sell you anything um and versus when you have when you have a bike fitter who mm. is employed by a bike shop they might be there just to try to sell you stuff and that can be something to look out for for sure well but i mean it's kind of nice that you're in a bike shop because if you need to swap out parts like stems and and uh like c posts and mm -hmm. things like that then you have the ability of going in and to that 100%, stock or 100 or selling it you know um selling a bit the, of their products yeah that's exactly the benefit of the partnership that we have to where i i'm an independent to where i don't I'm not trying to sell you anything, but the stuff is here that we might need to where it's like, to where if you're interested in a bike, mm -hmm. I'm like, well, cool. This is one that that would absolutely fit you. Or this is the handlebar that works for you. Or this is a stem that works. For yeah. You. Um, Cause those are the so, things you're going to be adjusting as you bike mm -hmm. fit. Yeah. So they have, so they have all the product that I would, that I would need, but I don't, I, I don't care if I, I don't get any type of kickback from anything that, that a bike fit customer buys. Right. Um, and so that's, so that's a safe bet for me. Like even just, just last, last week I had a lady in here and she's looking to get, she's looking to get a new, new bike. And, um, and we tried her on a couple different things, but she ended up, she's going to order, she's going to order a bike from a different company. Um, right. and, and yeah, that's great because that, that bike that she's ordering is going to fit her absolutely perfectly. And these guys at the shop are going to help her assemble it and they're going to take care of her and do all that. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, that is, I think the beauty of an independent mm -hmm. bike is mm -hmm. that we're not trying to sell you anything. Well, I think it's really cool also that, uh, I know some shops here in Ottawa, they have bike fitters in the back, mm -hmm. you know, so if you happen to need a bike fit or want a bike fit but I also find that a lot of salespeople will like you said will fit people on bikes that are not necessarily their size to get it out the door quote unquote for sure and then and because I have a woman's cycling club so I see everybody at the beginning of the season and you can kind of like you've got this the stories like I just got this or I got the second hand or whatever or I've been on this for a gazillion years and it you know like you know the, the seat post is so low that you know so I do quite a bit of adjusting just by eyeballing but I find that that's a big issue as well is like just getting people to buy bikes that are not necessarily their size and or they're just too much of a I mean it's hard to say right now because they're 
the only real bikes that are, I think it's a little better now, but before, like the only thing that was left was high-end bikes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are just not that level of cyclists. Yeah, there, there yet, is, right? there is certainly, th there's a, there's a big missing, if ever since COVID there's, I mean, prices, uh, prices have gotten really tough. And so mm -hmm. yeah, there, there is a good kind of missing middle, I think of, of a sweet spot for, um, solid entry to mid-level bikes for people getting yeah into. i think that's where there's a ton on the second hand market right now to where people are are savvy there to look around um but that that is something i think if you're looking to get 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 a bike that's the right size for you i always tell people fit first buy later especially right now like so even looking at all the major manufacturers are running huge sales right now and so and i think and i think we're probably even going to see going getting close to the holidays and even probably into 2024 i think prices are even going to get slashed a little bit more i think a lot of yeah because i need a new gravel if, bike if, if, if you're a consumer <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast and you're a consumer yeah. to buy a bike this is the time like it's now and going forward is good it's it is a buyer's market 100 for you like i i was working I've been, i worked in the industry through covid and there are some bike companies right now who have way over ordered on product i know a lot of shops are like that like they got their their orders that they ordered two years ago now mm -hmm. and they're just like they don't even have the space for them mm -hmm. and they're there just are. like holy yeah. And bike and and now and now take that i know for a fact that bike companies have their warehouses that are full and they have new product coming that they've ordered from their manufacturers yeah they're they're coming and they don't have space for them in their warehouses and they need to clear those out um and so there's gonna be a great consumer market like we're gonna see prices getting slashed left and right mm -hmm. um, and so now you're going to, the consumers are going to be saving money, but especially if you're buying something from a direct and consumer brand, like a, a Canyon yeah, uh, or even, even major manufacturers like specialized are going to, you can order directly from specialized or trek.com now, and they'll deliver it to your door. And, but that's where it's like fit first buy later. And so go, go find a bike fitter and, and figure out exactly the size that you, that you need because the lat, because I see it so often with riders, especially women riders that, that they look at a sizing chart and, or they, or they talk to someone in a bike shop and they get put on a bike. That's not more often than not too big for them. Right. I do and, see that. Like the, yeah. yeah. And I have seen some women on really small bikes. I'm like, um, I hate to say it, but you can't even make yeah. that bike bigger for you. I it's, don't know. But from a bike, for a bike, for a bike fitting's perspective, it's way easier to make a small bike bigger than it is to make a big bike smaller. Like, yeah, could, I guess so. Like, there are certain things you could do, but after a while, you're like, mm -hmm. honey. So yeah. I have. I was just as thinking. So, do, do you have special pricing for people to come in and? Uh, so you say bike fit first, buy later. Mm -hmm. So that would mean that a lot of people are like, what size am I? Because there's a lot of sizing charts out there. But what is like, what's that one thing that someone would need to know to best choose 
a size for them. Cause there's like what extra, extra small, extra small, small, medium, large. I think that's bikes just come in those sizes. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you're, you're, are they all the same have, dimensions? You know, it depends on manufacturer. So this is the, this yeah. Is, so it depends on the manufacturer. And, and here's, here's the crazy thing. And this is, this is why again, fit first by later and, or, or, and, or develop a relationship with a bike fitter. If you don't, if you don't know this, so some manufacturers use t-shirt sizing, so small, medium, large. <laughs> um, so you have like a, a can, Canyon bikes, um, uh, I think Giant as well does small, medium, large. And then you have other manufacturers um, that use the traditional centimeter sizing. So you'll see things like 52, 54, 56 centimeters. Yeah. Uh-huh. The problem is, especially with more modern type of bikes, is that there there's not much consistency manufacturer to manufacturer um, between geometry sizes. And so, and and depending on the type of bike that, you're looking at could even change the sizing of the bike that you need. Like for example, yeah. For example, my my bike right there, my new my new race bike is a 54 centimeter um trek uh race bike. My gravel bike is 52 centimeter um trek gravel bike. When I when I rode a Chanelli bike, I rode a 51 uh 53 centimeter. Um if I was to buy a bike from Cannondale, I'd probably buy a 51 centimeter. And that's because those geometries are so different. Um, that I don't think there's a single tube on this 54 centimeter bike that measures 54 centimeters. And so it can get very confusing on, on what, yeah. that's where it's like, yeah, if, if you're, if you're looking to get a new bike and you're looking and you don't know where to start and you're looking at all these different sizing things, sizing charts and things like that, it's, it can be absolutely confusing that if you go to a bike fitter that, and, and they can get you on. Mm -hmm either a couple different bikes that would be your size and then can experiment with that. Um, or so what would you do, Brandon, for someone who came to you and said, listen, I'm looking at a couple bikes online. Mm -hmm. Um, what do I need to do? Like what kind of personal measurements do I need to take to figure out like inseam? I think inseam might be the main one, maybe a torso, Mm -hmm. um, that they would need to take to then take to the chart and figure that's, it out that's really t- so in your your height and your inseam would certainly be part of it mm-hmm. um, and so there's a lot of formulas online that can say like oh you can set your saddle height based on um x percentage of your inseam um the the but just to get the frame just to figure out the size so that's yeah the, the re- the really tough thing is without without getting onto a bike and and seeing and seeing it i hate to i hate to say this but yeah there is no measurement on your body that 100% says what size bike is right for you oh god um, really yeah and it's it it just doesn't in my personal experience it just doesn't work like that because there's so much of your what goes into what goes into what bike's going to fit you and what size you need and even the the number one measurement i would say for if you're going to look at it is knowing what your actual saddle height is and what saddle height that you need um that's probably the first thing that you can take into looking at what bike is going to fit you is is knowing i know that my saddle height is 72.25 centimeters and so um, that's from the spindle that's from the center of the, the center of the 
pedal spindle, the center of the bottom bracket, yeah, to the center of the saddle. Um, right. And now, and then here's the other thing that varies based on the crank length that comes on the bike. So if I'm on a if I'm on a bike with 170 millimeter. Cranks. Yeah, but don't they all come like pretty similar? Cranks? They do, but it's, they do, but it's starting to change, especially especially in some of the sizing that a lot of women fall into. So especially in that, oh. that 48, 50, 51, mm. um, we're seeing we're seeing some manufacturers go to like 165 cranks, while some manufacturers are sticking at a 170. Um, and so things are things are really oh, they're shortening it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so things are things are changing um based on manufacturer and manufacturer and then other manufacturers are start the especially the direct to consumer ones are starting to let you order bikes exactly spec the way that you want oh god okay so if i were cuz i'm just like whoa i need something clear and concise so mm -hmm. if cuz i am looking for a new gravel bike yeah okay i got a road bike i'm not going to upgrade that now if i'm doing my shopping online mm -hmm. What is the one tip that you can give me, like, that would help me purchase the right size? Because that's it. Like, if you purchase the size, like, you're stuck with that bike, yeah. right? And there's nothing worse than getting the wrong size bike and then having to sell it and start over. The, um, the, the one thing that I would say is... What's the one thing? Everybody lean in. I'm leaning the, in. The, the one thing I would say is this: is if you if you're looking if you're looking online, you're looking at the sizing charts mm -hmm. of, of what you could say. Most people fall. Everyone comes and they go like they go like I they're they're saying I'm either a 52 or a 54. They're saying I'm right I'm right on the cusp. I'm right in between. Most people. Okay, let's look for women because all these women are going to lean into here. Yeah. So if if you're if you're on the cusp or like near. a fifth 48 52 48, 48 to 50 if you're if you're right yeah. go with the smaller size bike um okay 100 100 if you're if you're on the cusp of in between in between the sizings always select the this the smaller size so but what measurements would i take to 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 use the like, the manufacturer the manufacturer websites will probably base it on your 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 height so your my height okay yeah, your actual height and in, in your inseam and and, no and my inseam so that would minus like the torso because some people have shorter legs longer torso mm -hmm. longer legs shorter torso so then it would be like the reach so I guess like you said you can fix the reach with longer stems so yeah the the number the number one problem that I see yeah. Um, from people who have who have bought bikes especially women let's talk not, women because like yeah yeah especially especially women is they get it they get on a bike and that bike is way too stretched out for them it's way right too i've i've had a bike like that mm -hmm. yeah and so and so it was my my first ones and so the number one and the number one reason for that is is buying a bike that's just it's just too big for you and right. so, and, and you, end, you end up being so, you end up being so stretched out. And so, yeah, the, yeah. Num the number one thing, the number one thing that I would recommend is, especially if you're on the cusp in between sizes is, is selecting the, selecting the smaller size bike It is always easier to make a small bike bigger than it is to make a big bike smaller. Okay. 100, 100%. 100%. Okay, everybody hear that. Okay. So we're going to take, so let's run this through. So since if, 
we're all buying bikes. And of course, we're going to come to you after for a bike fit. Because <laughs> we're just like, I've got this bike kind of on the cusp. Now I need you to make it like so, really fit me. And then, and again, that's the thing I was saying. If you have access to a bike fitter, go to them mm -hmm. first. So okay. So go back to this, go to them first. But do you, is this like a separate service that you offer? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fit. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Fit first, buy later. So a lot, a, a lot. Ah, of okay. Okay. That's yeah, the so first I've heard of that. Fit, fit Tell first, me. buy later. That's the, if you want the absolute, the absolute number one thing I would say is if, yeah, especially again, these prices, like these bike manufacturers are cutting prices. You've got, yeah. you're now going to have an extra margin to spend that you would have, you, if you would have normally spent $2,000 on a bike, that bike's marked down to $1,500 and go spend the extra, go spend the extra few hundred bucks on getting a bike fit first and knowing exactly, knowing exactly what you need. And so, because, so what do you mean by a bike fit first? So if I don't have a bike mm -hmm. and I'm looking to buy a bike, mm -hmm. so can you explain the bike fit first? So fit. So fit, if, if you came to me and you're like, I'm looking to buy a new bike, right. Um, you come into me, what I, what I'll do is a lot of bike fitters have, um, what's called a bike fit jib, um, or, a, or a side or a size cycle. So what you can, so what you can do. Oh, okay. Is so you, it's all right. Keep going. So I, you, you would come into me and go, I'm looking to buy a new bike and I, I'd be like, okay, cool. What are some of the bikes that you're looking at? And you'd be mm -hmm. like, I'm looking at getting this new gravel bike. I'm looking at the the specialized crux. I'm looking at the Trek checkpoint and I'm looking at the Cannondale top zone. Right. Um, okay. Those are just three rant. Yeah. Three gravel bikes. I can, as a bike fitter, um, if I have, if I have a sizing bike, what I can do is I can I can pull those geometry charts and oh. I can set I can set this bike fit jib to go like this is what a 54 centimeter specialized crux feels like. And I can, right. I can set that. And then while you're on there, I can adjust it, go like here's what a 52 would feel like. And I can just change and I can change it in a matter of seconds, probably while you're on it. Do you have that bike? Just I, as a visual, is it like I, behind you somewhere? No, no, no. I don't. No. I don't. I don't have that um, right now. I okay. Used to have, I used to have access to one, and I'm gonna be getting one going into 2020. Oh, good. Um, they can be yeah. kind of expensive. Um, I bet. So, <laughs> and so, um, so I, yeah, I'll, I have a, I have a new one coming, and so, and so mm -hmm. that, so that, that's the first fit before you. I think that's before, exceptional service, yeah, like to have that buy, before you buy a bike go to if you have the ability at a local bike shop and they have a bike fitter on staff and they have that and especially if they have that sizing cycle they'll do the fit first and and figure that out first and now but even with the lady who i had in last week so again she didn't have a bike um she told me what she was looking at and because i have access to blue ridge here i just went out and got a bike that's close to the geometry that she was looking at and then i'm able to grab um let me get the prop for you <laughs> get the props then, so of course everybody you can watch and listen to this on youtube yeah, yeah. and so oh yeah, i so have sorry, one of those yeah, sorry for mm -hmm. sorry for the people who, who aren't looking at this on video but that's where and then we can bike fairs can bolt <laughs> on this right here which is called this is a sizing handlebar and stem yeah so, so that's that's uh, for everybody if you go to a bike fit if you've been to one and um they can take your stem off, your handlebars off replace mm -hmm. it with this stem jig that moves the handlebars back and forth 
up and down mm-hmm. so that you can say okay what's what's a figure out like, figure out yeah, very figure it out like yeah and so i that, like those yeah yeah and that's especially great because if if we're trying out different stem links mm-hmm. like and elevations and yeah yeah it's if i if i have you on the bike and you're pedaling around and we go like and we and we need to make a change and then i have you step off and i and i take the stem off and i put a different one on then you get back on yeah 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 yes i think that feels better to where if we can change it really quickly Mm -hmm. um then then that's a that that makes that real time feel much different and so that's that's what i did for this customer just last week is got a bike that was similar size and geometry to what she was looking at we we used the a sizing handlebar and stem um to figure out exactly the touch points that she needed um and then she was able she was able to go onto the manufacturer website and go like i need this extra small size frame with this size handlebar and this mm-hmm. size stem and this size crank and we were able and we were able to just have her order. wow yeah. that's amazing to be able to leave with that kind of information because i also find handlebars like I know gravel bars are wider, but if you're in, like, I still see like road bikes with the, maybe they're just older models, but I'm just like, you know, the, the wider handlebars and the, mm-hmm. the drop bars that are super. Yeah, so it would be what's called a class, like, especially if you're getting a used bike or something like that, a, a, a classic bend bar as opposed yeah. to a more modern shallow bend. Yeah. Shallow and bend. Especially with, and this is my like bike fitter rant and and i'll go for it i'll i'll stand on this hill Um, (laughs) bike bike handlebars bike handlebars are far too wide um and uh, across every size and there is not a sink there is one bike that i know of on the market today that has the appropriate size handlebar for a woman on there not oh even, yeah not even women specific bikes mm-hmm. have the correct size handlebar and that's crazy because mm-hmm. i look so, at some of these women's bikes and like i'm like sweetie if you don't like those handlebars, you can upgrade those mm-hmm. and get something better that's better fit and also the way they <laughs> i get like the hoods they're like always poking, like sticking right up. I'm like, well, how about we adjust them like a millimeter down? Like these are just eyeballing ones when I do clinics. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just amazing the difference. It's, re- it's really, really tough. The num- So most 90, I would easily 95% of the women that I see who come in to see me, um, most of the time I recommend a 36 millimeter wide handlebar. And that's measured, that's measured like center to center at the controls. So like where your hands would sit um, at the controls. And there is one bike on the market today that I know of that has that size handlebar. on. Do you, so looking, thinking about handlebars, Mm -hmm. how would you figure out for a woman? Is it like shoulder to shoulder, like the, the measurement of straight across and so to determine your the the metric that I use the term handlebar with is it's measuring your shoulders at what's called your acronym process. Um, so you, it, you could easily Google like if you if you like looking for like what the image is or you can feel it on yourself. If you feel on your shoulder, you have the actual ball of your shoulder where the socket is yeah. that goes into the shoulder. It's where your collarbone meets the actual shoulder. You'll feel. Oh, it OK. Yeah. That's, yeah. your, that's your acronym. The acronym 
process is the distance between that both those sides oh yeah so that's so that will that distance right there will determine oh um, like if you come back with your mm -hmm. put your thumbs on it it hits right there yep and so and so oh that's interesting the hmm. pro so the, the issue is most most measure most women that I see come into me measure somewhere in the ballpark of 34 to 37 centimeters wide yeah um, and they're and even most women's bikes out there are going to have a 40 centimeter wide handlebar so that's four that's two to four centimeters our gravel bar is not like typically wider because i've known yeah and so is that, is that just be for hand bike handling of like it's, uh it's because it's trendy that's because, oh <laughs> because okay so it has nothing to do with the fact that it's it a gravel nothing, bike has, it's just like with, looks with hand, has absolutely nothing to do with handling at all because the bottom like the the bottom drops are flared a bit i so get have, that we, just we, for we like yeah, we do have Is a trend for flared handlebars for mm -hmm. sure. Um, and to where that and that gives you a little bit more variance in your width. And so yeah. there is an argument for having the drops a little bit wider, um, because that can help with descending. So when yeah. you're descending, it can give you give you a little bit wider of a grip and give you a little bit more confidence when descending, especially on gravel and loose stuff. Mm -hmm. Um the problem is, is we do send this, see this tendency for really wide bars. And it's just because it became, it became really trendy in the last few years. And people started bolting these really wide flared bars on and, and they looked really cool on Instagram posts and people got all, all really hyped for them. Um, and the problem is what happens is when a handlebar is too wide for you, what the rider, what the rider will end up doing is you'll end up basically to correct for that you'll end up rolling your wrists in yeah and so, and so i see this again a lot of times with women is so you'll you'll roll your wrist in in order to basically make the handlebar make you your hands sit in a narrower position because your 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 wrist wants to be in line with your shoulder um and so you end up if you end up rolling your wrist into the center line of the handlebars and and or you're sitting behind the actual brake controls to where you're sitting maybe on the corner of the handlebar as opposed yeah, to the, the elbow kind of mm -hmm. yeah, yeah that's that's a sign that the bars are too wide or the reach and or the reach is too long normally it's a combination of two um and so yeah you would be amazed if you're on a if you're on a 42 centimeter wide handlebar i could tell my handlebars are wider yep and so yeah. and so if you're if you were to go to something like a 38 or a 36 centimeter um lots of times we without even changing the stem length we just change that handlebar and women especially um immediately can actually put their hands into the controls yeah um, actually reach the brakes and the shifting really easily and mm -hmm. and that is a huge level of comfort and confidence especially with women riders I don't know. One of the number one things that makes you feel confident on a bike is being able to reach the brakes. Yes. Hundred percent. What ends up what ends up happening? And I'll explain this, like as I as I show it. To yeah, you. explain this, when, when, Brandon. <laughs> when, when you are trying to to when a handlebar is too wide and you end up sitting on the corner of the handlebar, you're yeah. actually not in the controls and you actually can't reach the actual brakes. You end up having to reach around the handlebar. To actually get mm. to, to where if you can if you can comfortably and confidently sit in the controls there and, yeah. and bring that bar in um 
you end up getting so much more comfort and so much more confidence while riding. Mm -hmm. Um, Even in the drops, mm -hmm. like being able to reach Mm -hmm. your break. And I find again, like with older bikes or ones that are not necessarily female specific, Mm -hmm. that is one of the things that, that, uh, drops confidence a lot because it, and it happened to me, my first bike, I felt really uncomfortable braking because I didn't feel like I could reach my brakes enough to break. And therefore, um, it was a huge, like when I finally adjusted them, I was like, Oh my God, what a difference, you know? And that's one of the things that I look at as well as like, you know, are they feeling comfortable? Like, that's a big question when you are riding in your drops down hills, you know, just regularly can you break properly do you feel comfortable if not then maybe it's a adjusting the 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 hoods a little bit over the bends to bring the levers closer or maybe you need to put a shim in there because some of them are just ridiculous or you can adjust it so it's brought closer or you just change the fucking thing well and that's so that that's where as well you you touched on this that a lot of times what what ends up happening with women so 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 a, a woman gets sold a bike that's too big for her mm-hmm. at a bike shop because uh because that they, they did you weren't able you just didn't have a bike fit first um the bike's too long so you end up rolling you end up rolling the handlebar back like that and you have the hood like you said pointed way up yeah the, um and that makes the that makes the actual drop unusable you end up not being able to reach the brake yeah so a lot of times I see, I see women like that come into me all the time. Mm-hmm. The bar is too wide and the brake hoods are turned up really high. So we end up getting them on a handlebar that fits them. So we end up putting like a 36 or a 38 centimeter handlebar on there with, and another thing you can think of as well is not every handlebar has the same reach. So some handlebars yeah. are literally longer than other ones are. So uh-huh. we end up going with a handlebar that has a shorter reach on there. Um, and so it's the appropriate width it's the appropriate reach for them and then we're able to adjust those controls down and into a position and then you can also um a good a good bike fitter will show will be able to adjust the actual lever reach so you can adjust how far in or out that lever sits. yeah exactly yeah and that and that will help help you actually the number one i see so many women and i just adjust that level lever reach position and they're like, oh my God, I've never been able to reach my brakes while I'm in the drops of my bike. Exactly. And mm-hmm. that's a that's normally a that's normally a two that's like a that's a game changer. Mm-hmm. It and really is. Yeah. Mo- every most every modern shift like group set in the last 10 years um has some form of lever adjustment. And so you can just if you if you have a Shimano 105, you just Google Shimano 105 lever reach and it'll and you'll be able to find where the actual the screw screw, yeah. screw is because it's different on every single um bike some <laughs> some it's some it's on the top some it's on the side some it's under the brake lever um so you just have to find it and and you just turn that a couple turns and it can bring that brake lever in so often and so the number oh one, okay good that's good to know one, in, the number one thing that i end up changing on women's bikes is i'll change the handlebar out and then i adjust that lever reach in um, for, for those women. And, and that is a game changer for women. Mm -hmm. So where it's like, I can almost guarantee, guarantee for, 
most of your women listeners and probably most of your men listeners as well, but especially the women, like the handlebar that's on your bike is probably too wide and that's making mm-hmm. the bike feel way too big. And, and so, yeah, measure, measure that shoulder distance at the acronium and buy an appropriate handlebar. Um, the cool thing about an aluminum handlebar is like even a brand new one, that's a 50 or $60 piece. And so U S so it's probably like $400 Canadian, but <laughs> 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 yeah right well then you have to think about the mm-hmm. tape yeah. and this <laughs> want some now cool here, bar here, tape <laughs> here, here again so here's my argument for fit first buy later yeah i love you that know, concept yeah. fit, fit first buy later so you go you go you go you go to a bike fitter um figure out exactly the sizing that you need maybe that bike fitter is independent and so he and so they just give you they give you all the numbers that you need to go to a local bike shop or go to your online retailer and figure that out you work with a local bike shop so you come into me you get a bike fit we determine exactly what you need i walk out to the sales folks at blue ridge and i go this person needs a 50 centimeter bike and we're going to need to change the handlebars out and we're going to need to change the stem out um these guys here will more than likely swap those things out mm-hmm. at no additional cost to the rider. So this right. is the other argument for fit first buy later is the fact that uh, any of these parts that you you're you're now saving yourself the cost of a handlebar, the cost of that bar tape, the cost of that stem, the cost of the saddle that you might need to swap out. All of that a lo- a lot of local bike shops will be more than willing to um, to swap those out or at the very least maybe do a reduced cost on on those parts because and and then you have a bike that fits you perfectly as soon and it's ready to rock and roll as soon as as soon as as soon as you buy it versus getting out and going going and buying it and now you've got and then you come into me and now we've got to change. Now you got to buy a new saddle. Now you got to buy a new handlebar. Yeah. And then you have to pay for all the services and stuff. And you and you've got to pay for for all of that yeah Um, so yeah fit first fit first buy later and then there are like i said there are manufacturers out there i love working with trek and the fact that trek has a program called project one and so you come into me and you're like and you're like hey i'm I'm looking at getting a new gravel bike we go like all right cool you need we need to get you a 52 centimeter checkpoint and we're going to need this handlebar this saddle this stem on there we can order all of that directly from trek at really no additional cost to you unless you want to get a fancy paint job on there that has your name painted on it yeah they charge charge you extra for that but it's no additional cost to swap that stuff out um and there are there are a couple manufacturers doing that now as well so a couple of direct-to-consumer brands like i know ventum bikes allows you to order um bikes exactly with this exact handlebar and stem that you need on there um that would make sense though wouldn't it yeah i that it would make sense and it would be really great and so that's i i really really hope that that's where we see um the bike industry going is a little bit more able to be purchased customized because like i said like most most bikes out there are coming with handlebars that are the wrong size on mm-hmm. there. And so it's like why couldn't we just allow the consumer to you to come in and to order the bike exactly spec for the way the way that they want yeah um, and that that would be really really great to see that to see that happening yeah just gonna have a whole ton of extra handlebars kicking mm-hmm. around because like they're all going to be swapped out okay so 
Awesome. I love that because it's always like starting at the stem, like starting the handlebars and working back. So let's just touch a, a little bit on saddles because mm-hmm. I know that there's always the conversation around what's the right saddle? Why is my saddle hurting me? And even before you get into changing up your saddle, there's a host of things you need to check out first like Mm -hmm. are you wearing underwear what kind of bike shorts you Mm -hmm. know like and um before you get into the saddle and I had my saddle changed um I had I assume that you do the sitting bike measurement oh you're measuring your sits bones yeah sits bones so I had that done Mm -hmm. and I was sitting on a way too narrow saddle for like Mm -hmm. the longest time and it took me a little bit to get used to, but I, then I started understanding like the way my bum was to serve, like, you know, at first I'm like, Oh, was my ass too big? Like, what is this? But it's my sis bones, right? So my sis bones were not centered on the saddle. They were centered on the outside of the smaller saddle. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, like that was what I didn't really experience a lot of discomfort, but when I, got onto one where my ass was actually planted on the saddle properly. It was like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And so, different. yeah, that your your the measurement of your, the proper bike term for it is called your ECL tuberosities. And that's the proper, proper medical term for your sits bones. Sits bones. Um, yeah. And so that, that's certainly a metric that can play into like what saddle is right for you. And so, yeah, typically if you're on a saddle, that's too narrow, for you, what ends up happening is you end up feeling like the saddle is digging into you because mm-hmm. what ends up happening again, this is for your YouTube, your YouTube. Oh viewer. yeah. There we go. The so this hips, is, this is the pelvis, the hip, the um, pelvic bones. Yeah. So this is, this is, this is your pelvis. Your ischial tuberosities are the very small, like sits bones. So for ladies, small. this is really important because every one of us are a little different down there. Every, and every, <laughs> every everyone is different and the these are a little bit wider and so what can happen is if um if the saddle is too narrow for you those ECL tuberosities are not actually supporting being supported by the saddle and you'll feel like the saddle is digging into your um soft tissue. yeah your crotch <laughs> and so uh, and so everything everything in between there is just it's just genitalia it's just it's just soft tissue yeah um, and and so we don't want to be bearing so much weight on that so these do absolutely play a part and you can absolutely, um, a lot of bike shops will have, um, the ability to measure this, uh, measure those for you. Um, you can do it at home. You can just sit on a piece of cardboard, um, and, and it'll make two little indents and you can measure that. And that's Oh, like, that's a good idea. Yep, you can, yep. There's, there's lots of, there's lots of different measurements for at home, being able to measure your, your sit spoons with. Um, now the issue is. All right. Let's see. Is, the issue and so that is, I will say that is a factor in determining the saddle that is right for you. It is not the end all be all. Um, because as if, if you are sitting upright and get and measuring those sits bones, they're going, that's going to measure wider if you're sitting directly upright. But the issue is, is as you get on a bike, especially as you get onto a more performance oriented bike, you're not sitting upright. You're rotating your pelvis into what's called an anterior, anteriorly uh, rotated pelvic position, um, and so you're you're rolling your hips forward, and you're actually sometimes, especially at the most extreme end of that. Yeah. Um, 
like a you take like a time trial position where you're really mm-hmm. really far forward you're actually sitting more on the yeah on your pubic bone yep the ischial pubic rami um so sits bones measurements is certainly one aspect of like of what is right for you and a lot generally speaking a lot of women need a little bit wider saddle than men um and but is the biggest thing that i run into is just just generally making sure that the saddle is the right shape and the right size Mm -hmm. um for for the rider um and generally speaking what I have found is that as soon as we get the rider into the right position, um, and so if your saddle height is a centimeter or two centimeters too high, it doesn't matter what saddle um, we put. That's another thing. Yeah. yeah it, doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what saddle we put you on. Um, it's going to, it's going to feel uncomfortable and mm-hmm. you're going to, and, and you're, you're not going to be sitting squarely on that saddle. You're not going to be feeling supported. And this is another thing that, we've been able to see through different saddle pressure mappings um, that we can reduce saddle discomfort by up to 50% simply by administering arch support inside of the rider's shoes and by getting their cleats set up in the proper position. And, and so I have, I've seen people, I've, I had a lady come into me. Interesting. I had a lady come into me swearing up and down, left and right. She's like, I need a new saddle. I need a new saddle. I need a new saddle. And I, <laughs> and, and we, and we saw, and I, and I got her in for the session and I go, man, you don't need a new saddle. You need new shoes. Her shoes were 10 years old. They had been worn out and I was able to pretty much bend the shoe in half. And so the shoe wasn't doing anything to support her. And at the end of the day, like you're only, you're <laughs> at the end of the day, we only have three contact points with the bike. It's, it's your handlebars, it's your saddle and it's your, it's your shoes. And if any one of those is off, you're the other the other ones have to pick up the slack of where the weight's being bore at so if we can get the rider to actually be able to bear more weight through the pedals and the shoes then that's going to decrease the weight in the saddle um and that's going to make your saddle more comfortable and so i and so that with that lady like we we got we got her (laughs) how about i get you a pair of carbon shoes we got her in yeah we got her (laughs) into a pair of carbon sold shoes i got her appropriate level of arch support to where we made sure her feet were like properly supported inside the shoe i got her back on the bike and she goes like my saddle feels great like and so and, and so and so like as much as i as much as i love to help give people advice of like of like yeah like try this uh, try that but before you go and buy like a whole host of saddles like you can go in for a bike fit. And That's just, such a good point. Like yeah, nobody talks about that on forums. Mm-hmm. I don't think because every it, it's everything else, mm-hmm. but the foot touch. Oh my god! Uh, the, touch point. Mm-hmm. Your shoe and that and again, this is like there are there are one hundred percent apps out there, and you and you've worked with the guys at My Velo Fit to where it's like yeah. hey, like and that that does a good job of getting you into a good position, but at the same time, that's not gonna that's not going to address what's going on inside of your shoe or your cleat position, and you've got to get that stuff settled. That is the basis of bike fit. I've spent people, Whoa. I've spent I've spent upwards of an hour setting people's cycling shoes up before we yeah. even touch anything on the bike and and i can set it so do you and, work from the bottom like shoes saddle stem 
generally, like, generally, is that the... yeah, generally speaking, we start we start at the bottom and work our way up. Yeah. And unless stuff is really unless I, if I see a rider come into me and, and the reach is just like four centimeters too long <laughs> and, and they look like they look like Superman. Or like, Superwoman, OK, let's like, uh, on, bring on that back. Bottom. And like I'm like, I'm just going to make you more comfortable really quickly. Uh, but generally speaking, yeah, I start from the bottom and work my way up. Um, the yeah. feet support the knees, the knees support the hips and the hips support the upper body. Um, uh-huh. and so that that's our basis of where of where we start and so yeah uh, if you're having saddle discomfort more than likely it could actually be your shoes and so um yeah make sure make sure that your shoes are set up properly that you've got proper amount of arch support inside of your shoes um and that your saddle height is appropriate then we start playing with your actual saddle selection um, yeah, I don't, I don't change people's saddles out until I know that they're generally on a good position on the bike and that their feet are properly supported. Well, that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Fine. Let's just talk about cleat positioning. So I'm going to bring my shoe in here. Everybody's got the visuals on YouTube. Um, so I did a bike fit. I went for a bike fit. Mm-hmm. Love my bike fitter. He, um, said that there's this new trend or new science coming out that okay so if you see here right about here is where the ball of my sh- my foot is like yeah. the your fifth the bone. On a tarsal head yeah right there mm-hmm. so he positioned my cleat and this is and i i just finished like five sessions in cairo the chiropractor who is also a bike fitter as well Mm -hmm. not because of this but i brought it to his attention because i was like hey do you think like maybe some of this might have something to do with like the other stuff um so he he positioned my cleat a little bit further down from say the ball of my foot Mm -hmm. now the funny thing brandon is that i had like this like all summer yeah i know this needs to be i'm sure you're eyeballing that it's like yeah it's it's really needs to be changed um but i figure for inside i'll be okay um but once i started getting on my trainer inside i immediately noticed this difference Mm -hmm in the position of my feet and I just couldn't get like I couldn't get comfortable mm-hmm. um I feel that like I can't get the full force of my foot down to pull because I feel that it's just a little bit further back from like being right up underneath my toes yeah so did um you, what so are did your you, what's your uh take on that so my my take on my take on that is mm-hmm. you can do no harm for by taking the cleat as far back on the shoe as possible. So if you're if you really? if, you're, if if you're at home and you if you've ordered you've ordered your first pair of cycling shoes or a new pair of cycling shoes and you and you're trying to set them up at home, get that cleat as far back on the shoe as possible. Okay. Reason for doing that, and so you you showed your oh you got a feet. Uh, okay, let's this see is, the feet. this is the human foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are more bones inside of the human foot than there are in the rest of the body combined. Um, and most of them are these little itty, itty bitty tiny bones um, that are really great. If you position the cleat further forward on the shoe, mm-hmm. uh, 
then you are putting more stress and strain on the forefoot. And those are the bones in your, in your toes. Um, those are, our toes are really good at helping us balance. They're really good at helping us stabilize, but they're not really good at pushing power down through it. So if you've got that cleat really far forward, it's as if you're like standing on your tiptoes for an extended period of time. As you move that cleat further and further back um, in line with uh, the metatarsal heads on the bottom of mm -hmm. but there, um, then you're getting that pressure under these larger skeletal structures of the foot. And you're actually able to bear a little bit more weight through the foot. And you can generally help to stabilize the foot as well by bringing the cleat further back. Now, here's my question for you. So you're, so that bike fitter moved your cleats back further. Yeah. Right? Okay. Did they lower your saddle? Um, did he lower my saddle? I can't really remember actually. So, at, so as you move the cleat further back, you're yeah. You're effectively moving your foot further forward. All right. When we when we take that as an entire system, mm -hmm. now at the bottom of the pedal stroke, your foot's further away from the saddle than it was before. Especially right. if you've if you've gone from if you've gone from having your cleat way far forward on your foot to way far back, mm -hmm. you probably need to lower your saddle in a in I would say before you write off that cleat position what's so what's what that sounds like to me is you're saying you feel so you're saying correct me if i'm wrong you're saying it, when you get to the bottom of the pedal stroke you're feeling like you're losing power maybe from like that four to like that four to like yeah like it's it's feeling like there's this little ledge or like so there's my mm -hmm. foot mm -hmm. so this is my cleat mm -hmm. and i feel like that like i'm putting all the power into there um and i just feel like there's a ledge like right here like there's i'm i'm not getting the full power mm -hmm. yeah you feel that you feel i like used at the, to at the, bo at the bottom of the pedal stroke do you feel like you feel like you're like you're losing it you're losing yeah power. yeah your saddle's too high and so and so that's what i i would say i would say try try lowering your saddle half a centimeter and and see and see how that feels because i think i might have because i was looking at my knee bend mm -hmm. and i think i might have put my saddle up or for whatever reason i felt like my saddle was slipping yeah. and i so i'll take a look at that mm -hmm. i'll bring out my mirror mm -hmm. put it inside my bike and take a look mm -hmm. um and uh and i'll i'll drop it and see what it feels like yeah. before i start farting around like my mm -hmm. yep my so yeah gen generally speaking yeah you can do you can do no harm taking the taking the cleat further back and and lots and lots of times it's I, not all the way back like you I can still say, see is that is that where it's at or did you did you put the cleat did you bring the cleat back further forward? no that's where he placed it oh okay. so if you so see it was, it was even further it, it was further forward than you yeah had like before. i if you see where the bolts are like i would like shove it like straight yeah. to the very end like yeah i'd lower i'd lower your saddle lower your saddle half a centimeter and see how and see how that goes okay uh, i would take it i would probably go ahead and if if I if I was telling you to even experiment with it, yeah, take your cleats all the way back and lower your saddle maybe three quarters of a centimeter, and and see and see how that and see how that feels. Um, and so yeah, generally speaking, if we can get that cleat uh, further back, if you um, 
the old yeah the old rule of thumb was to align the cleat with the first metatarsal uh-huh. aka the ball the, the ball of the foot um and i have found as well as multiple other bike fitters have found that that leads to a whole load of foot pain knee pain saddle discomfort um and yeah we move you move that cleat further back um, right and you and we have found a whole load of benefits of foot stability um knee knee tracking improves saddle comfort improves now the issue is yeah especially for you if, if you're going from your cleat being really far forward on the shoe to really far back you're definitely going to need to lower that the seal. yeah so yeah, that makes foot, that makes sense effectively ex- extending extending more than it was before um in the multi-sport realm so for triathletes that i have come in here we're, we're even we've even been experimenting with what's called a midfoot cleat position to where we're bringing the we're bringing the cleat even we're using extenders to get the cleat even further back um and that I, ends up helping people immensely especially people who are gonna doing uh triathlons mm-hmm. man or 70.3 distances or getting off the bike and having to go run a marathon um it helps them immensely right do you find that it helps them bring their heel down more mm-hmm. yeah, so, so that it, they're not pointing the- their toes as much like they do mm-hmm. as and they run and they stretch their achilles and their calves and yep so yeah if you if you imagine the foot as a lever so mm-hmm. you're you're saying like with and you and you're right when the cleat's really far forward you can get a ton of torque onto that yeah so that's that what i'm lever. used to right and so and so the people who we run their cleats really far forward it's and again this is where there's no one solution because it it varies depending on what you're trying to do. If you came to me and you're a and you're a track uh rider and you're gonna and you're doing and you're doing like just track sprint events or or omniums to where you only need to put power down for 45 seconds and then your race is over. Yeah, we're moving that cleat really far forward in order for you to get as much torque as possible. Okay. But, yeah. But on the on the other side of that. If you're a if you're an Ironman athlete or if you're doing these longer distance gravel events where you're doing um, 100k, 200k, 300k gravel races that are going on, um, having that cleat really far forward it can create much more torque. But what it does is as you load that through, it destabilizes the foot. So you're ha- having to put more strain on your ankle. You're having to put more strain on your knee just to keep that foot stable. So where if we move your cleat further back, it makes your foot really easy to stabilize that power. It offloads your it offloads your ankle joint, it offloads your calf, it off it offloads the knee joint, and it leads to a whole load of stability. Um, and over the longer type of events, we can see much more power added through there, much more comfort and much more stability. But again, yeah, if you're if your job is to if your job is to be on a track and you're doing and yeah and you're just doing match sprints um or if you're doing a criterium and you're a, and you really like are a more of a sprinter type and and you're just going to sit in 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 the middle of a of a bunch for 45 minutes and then you're going to go and do a 30 second sprint at the end and that's your entire race yeah that's that's an argument for having the cleat a little bit further forward um, for the type of people who are going out and riding more casually and they're, um, or they're just looking to have comfort, moving that cleat as far back as possible, um, nine, 90% of the time makes 
whole lot more comfort for routers. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, since I've been talking about a look cleat right here for everybody, let's talk about a gravel cleat mm-hmm. and a long distance gravel rider. So mm-hmm. a lot of people are going out, bike packing, uh, long endurance events. And what I have on mine is time. Mm-hmm. So it's a s- much smaller cleat. Mm-hmm. So what do you, like, where would you position that? Um, Again, because so, it's l- less like surface. For sure. So there's less, there's certainly less surface area when we, when, like when we're talking about like a smaller. Oh, look at you. Get gra- everything in front of you. A smaller gravel mountain bike style pedal as opposed mm-hmm. to as opposed to a road style yeah pedal. so like you do you definitely have less of a contact patch and that's why like you see at the at the top end of the sport so you're seeing these new pro gravel riders a lot of them are going into events using a road style shoe just because they want the mo- absolute most power transfer um a smaller gravel slash mountain bike style shoe whether it's this is a in my hand i've got a shimano spd style or time style pedal um it's a smaller contact point. Um, however, if your shoe is supportive enough, and this is where it comes back into having um, having a, a shoe with a carbon fiber sole that really supports the foot. Right. Enough, um, I've found negligible kind of differences of having the smaller contact patch of, of a SPD or a time um, or even like a crank brothers style pedal on these gravel events because the the ability to easily clip in and out because you could find yourself having to unclip to maybe put a foot down to stabilize yourself on a tight gravel turn um you might have to do a little bit of hike a bike you might have to yeah in the mud stream crossing in the mud um the gravel slash mountain bike style shoes definitely allow you to um allow you to clear that mud out much better than a road style shoe Mm -hmm. so the benefits of of that kind of far outweigh um the performance benefits of having the larger contact patch um and then yeah as well most of the time get again getting that cleat as far back as possible um especially for those longer style gravel events and getting yeah getting the the pedal close like by really that Mm. first metatarsal head can just generally add a ton of stability um especially with especially with a good carbon fiber sold shoe um especially with proper insoling inside the shoe all right yeah you can find (laughs) you can still find it's like hmm maybe i need to upgrade those shoes yeah and so that's where a lot of a lot of those gravel shoes especially more more of the entry-level ones are going to have a plastic sole Mm -hmm. um for smaller riders or for riders who who aren't putting out that much power and for riders who aren't riding that much, that's probably fine. The thing, the difference between a carbon fiber sole and a plastic sole, the main thing is, is that that plastic sole, the more you use it, the more it actually wears out and breaks down. So the example for that rider that I said, who came into me and was swearing up and down that she needed a new saddle. And I was like, you need new shoes. Her, she had had those plastic sold shoes for so long that they had lost all all of their actual rigidity. And like I said, I was able to just to bend them in half. Um, yeah. To where a carbon fiber sold shoe, I've seen people come into me and they've got 10 year old carbon fiber sold shoes 
that are just as stiff as the day that they yeah i have a good old i have a good pair like that Mm -hmm. Hmm. so yeah again running the cleat a little bit further back um and yeah that adds that adds a ton a ton a ton of stability um and and i can't yeah if if you're at home and you're not and you're not sure where to put them as far back as possible and and you're gonna find in the positioning Mm -hmm. is it all right wow brandon we've touched on a lot of stuff actually i think the i mean this is great because we touched on all the main points that a bike fit should touch but i really do love the fact of fit first buy later if 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 you've listened to me rant about bike about bike fit stuff <laughs> for an hour the one <laughs> the, please please the one takeaway is is fit first buy later um it's really really sad i've had to do it a few times when someone comes into me for a bike fit and they've got i had a lady come in here with a ten thousand dollar i know oh my gosh and i told and and i and i had to and i had to be the one to tell her i go like i go like i cannot fit you on this bike it there is nothing i can do that will make this bike fit you it's two sizes too big (gasps) oh my gosh you know the other thing is is that when people say do you recommend like going like secondhand i'm like yeah i don't know because like um, do you really know that i mean that's a whole other topic again um, fit, for, fit first by later like, yeah so fit, that that doesn't change it doesn't change whether you're looking at a new bike or a used bike fit like fit first by later and like so what is it do you have is this like a separate service uh no because bike fits are usually like, in canada they're around 400 dollars. Mm-hmm. so bike fit would would be coming like i'd be coming to you to get to help out with general information to go and make the right purchase it so. depends it depends on the fitter that and the fitter that you go to and how they structure their pricing right. um for my for the way I for you it, the way yeah for the way i do it i include any of the changes that we need to make to your bike in the cost of the fit so for the lady who came oh i me, see okay for the lady who came into me right off the um just last week and so we obviously didn't have her bike there to set up to her fit. Mm-hmm. So, so I then told her, I was like, I was like, when your bike comes in, just let me know. And I will, and I will set everything up for it. And, right. and again, I know everything that every, because we did the fit first and she ordered it with all the sizing that she needs, then everything's going to come already set up. And it's all, and it's, and it's already, it's already going to come with the right handlebar, the right stem. All I'm going to have to do is set her saddle put the saddle into the right position, set the saddle at the right angle and make sure that make sure that the stem is set in the right position, but I'm not gonna have to change any other parts out. It's all going to be set up and, and ready for it to go. Um, yeah. So, so assuming that this bike is going to come in all put together, uh, yeah, like where those so people would get, get it in the box and like here, assemble yeah, it yourself. Or, or any, any decent bike shop should be able to read any bike fitter you if you go to get a bike fit your bike fitter should give you your numbers and so you should like everyone everyone who leaves a bike fit with me gets an email with with all of their breakdown of every of of how to set any bike up to your fit Um, oh and Hmm. any bike shop if you if you go and you pay four hundred dollars for a bike fit and you don't find and and you don't have your set your seat height your setback your reach and your drop 
um and you don't then i would ask for my money back because i'm like i'm like how at that point you should know you should have that information um and and everyone who leaves a bike fit for me gets that gets that information um and so then i you can give that to any any decent bike mechanic should be able to read a bike fit chart and, and right up to that and so that's where um <clears throat> it, it kind of depends to talk to the bike fitter beforehand so or if, if if you were coming into me for a, a, a bike fit a fit first buy later um yeah i would when the bike comes in i would just do it would take me all of 20 minutes to set that bike up to your fit especially knowing that you had everything that wow that's amazing so- i love that and um i'm gonna be talking more about that um with my my girl my friends who are cyclists or anybody who asks me about it um fit first bye later yeah so i hope everybody enjoyed this and if you need to listen to it again go back and listen to it again, because it is so chock full of information. Brandon, I really want to appreciate, like, thank you for uh, jumping on. Now, where can everybody find you? I yeah. found you on Instagram. Is that the only I'm on thing? Instagram at uh, BikeFitRVA, um, Instagram and Facebook. Um, if you're, um, if you're in Virginia, I'm, I'm right in, in Richmond in the middle of the state. And so come, come say hi. Um, if you're anywhere on the East coast, we'll be, we'll be around doing a lot. Go for of- a drive, say oh, yeah. hi, then go up to the, the Blue Ridge mountain. Yeah. Yeah. You can cut. Yeah. You can cut, <laughs> come in. You can, uh, we can, we can get you in, get you in for a fit. And then even if you're, if you're at events, um, there's a good chance, uh, if you're, if you're in Virginia or on the East coast this year, you'll see me or some of my teammates, we've got uh bike team bike fit RVA. We'll be around oh, a bunch okay. of events this season, cool. so it'll be really good. So come say hi. Normally, Excellent. normally have a big tent set up, and uh, and I'm more than happy. Great to promotion! Everybody's like, "Can you uh, make some last minute adjustments?" I've had I've had people <laughs> talk to me. In the oh my god! The, I'll leave I'll leave you with this funny story. I had someone who okay. was going to do their first. They 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 hit me up a week before their first. Oh, it always. Yeah, for a bike fit. I go like, no. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna change your bike fit before you fly out to your first Ironman event. Like it's too it's too late for that. I'm like, I'm not gonna change anything before you do an event. And so you're like, come and see me when you're done. Let me know what hurt afterwards and then and then we'll address you and oh my god, people are so funny. It's like that, you know, I'm leaving tomorrow. Could you do well? I can't say that I was like that, but I did all uh my own bike mechanics, but I had some friends who were on VeloFit, a VeloFix. Um, and he has his truck and he lives not far from me. And I just, I paid him to come over and do an inspection on my bike just to make sure I was okay. God bless those event mechanics. I love these guys because they have their van. They can come to you. And oh. so I don't mind paying the extra because <laughs> then yeah. I know I get my bike like that same day and, and we can sit there and chat over why is this my bike that looks like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can find, you can find me bike fit RVA on Instagram. Um, All right. if, if people have any questions, like feel free to reach out. Um, uh, you can, yeah, you can find me on Instagram or bikefitrva.com. 
Yeah, Brandon's got a lot of great videos on his Instagram. That's kind of what drew me to him um, in asking him to be on the podcast. So thanks, everybody. Make sure you follow Brandon and you follow the podcast at on uh, Instagram and on YouTube, the YouTube channel. So if you want to pop over there, um, subscribe. And also you can have a visual of some of the stuff that we are talking about uh, throughout the podcast here, if you want to watch and listen or just listen and peer over, um, you can also join us on our newsletter, not newsletter, but it's a notification email. So every time one of these uh, episodes are launched, you go to secretsfromthesaddlepodcast.ca and you can sign up there. So thanks everybody. And thank you again, Brandon, for being so helpful and providing so much great information it was truly amazing all right friends now was that just a little bit eye-opening and amazing i'm telling you i am going to go back and listen to this again because when i coach and i do these clinics i always do an eyeball for fit on the ladies and i found that his fit first buy later concept is like the first I've heard of it personally I don't know about you but also the geometry for the bike the handlebars I find that that's one of the things that a lot of women even myself included I struggled with it back when I got my first bike like 20 years ago um but uh now like coming in with old bikes and it's just one of those um step like it's just one of those things that you can go in and have easily changed you don't need a full new bike nobody needs to break the bank and buy a full new bike when they can just pay a little bit to have the proper handlebars for instance and that's one of the things that we talked about a lot like if you're still like if you're like oh yeah that's right i recommend going back and listening to that portion like the first part of the podcast and just going over everything that Brandon was talking about with regards to the measurement of your shoulders um, to the proper uh, measurement for a proper bike handlebar setup. And I know I'm going to go look at my gravel bike because I know those handlebars are way bigger than my road bike. And I'm going to do some measurements in comparison as well, because like if you're going to be sitting on a bike for even as an entry person, like a long ride for you might be an hour, maybe less. Um, a long ride for me might be three, five hours. Um, and on the off date, but you know what I mean? And to be sitting in discomfort is so disheartening when you just want to love your bike ride, right? So I found this episode super informative um and i know that i'm going to go back and take some more notes so that i can a educate um just through a conversation some ladies that can you know make their their bikes feel better right and also bike shoes i didn't even think about that but the age of bike shoes and it's just like coming in with a helmet that's like 10 years old that's been sitting in your garage it's just one of those things that should be upgraded like helmets are every five years but considering that 
your bike shoe could be the one thing that is causing you so many problems. I never even thought of that either. So anyways, I hope you really enjoyed that. I hope you go follow Brandon on um, Instagram and you follow the podcast. So don't forget to go and sign up to get emails every time an episode is launched and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thanks a lot, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast, learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review, if you feel so moved, by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment, telling me what you think, and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.